Hey again, all you dads and dads to be out there. This is Davo here of the Fearless Fathers Podcast, the growing podcast for you dads who want to break the generational traditions that no longer serve you so you could be a better parent in your kids' lives and rethink fatherhood. Today, I'm running with a very special guest, Miss Don Barclay, the author of the new book coming out, Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Fathers of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodivergent. That is ready to come out here August of this year, 2022. It is currently available for pre-order. It's estimated right now that one out of every 44 children fall on the autism spectrum, which means that many, many of us listening today are likely affected by this. Not to mention those who have children with attention and or mood disorders. And let's be honest, I have a three-year-old, so I got nothing but attention and mood disorders right now. And up until now, nobody's really ever explained how we could take our kids out and go for vacations and just have a really good time where it's kid-centric, kid-fun, and they can enjoy themselves and you can enjoy yourselves as a family. Guess what? Somebody's done that. Somebody's finally written a book just for that, and that's Don today, and I have her on the show to talk about this book. And not only are we going to talk about the book, but we have a very celebration here. Don is our first female on the Fearless Fathers podcast, so that is a major, major accomplishment as we've been going for two years. But really in this book today, we're going to talk about where Don came up with the idea for the book how to get the book, what are some strategies, what are some tips. We're going to dive a little deep into there and talk a lot about that. So Don, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's a great honor to have you today. Thanks so much. I didn't realize that I was the first woman, so I feel especially honored. (laughs) Surprise. I like to, I like to throw those in every now and again. But yeah, you you're absolutely our first woman today. So it's it's a great honor to have you here. Absolutely. Thank you. Don, we're going to kick right into this, right into the episode, right into the book directly. Give our listeners a little bit about who you are, where you came from, and maybe we'll start diving in a little bit as to where this idea for the book came from. Great. So I was the daughter of two travel agents who had a major travel agency in Manhattan and a couple of branches around. And then they launched into a side business, which was short-term apartment rentals in Europe way before Airbnb and VRBO and all those you know, latecomers as I think of them. (laughs) Uh, And I worked my way up uh, to admin and then uh, sales and marketing, VP sales and marketing. I worked in all aspects of those companies. Uh, And then I wrote for the travel trade and I was either a senior or contributing editor for four major travel trade publications. In there, I had two children who were, I would say, anxious and inflexible. (laughs) This book, I couldn't find it, and I wasn't about to stop traveling. So I had to write it. And I started in the early 2000s researching it. I spoke to Dr. Tony Atwood, who's very big in autism. I spoke to Dr. Ellen Littman, who's very biz- big in ADHD, and had some great interviews with them. And then I hit a wall because I didn't know where else to go. And it wasn't until an organization called IBCCES, which is the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, um, they created a designation called the Certified Autism Travel uh, Certified Autism Travel Professional. Let me get that right. C-A-T-E. Okay. And then I knew exactly how I wanted to write the book because I knew I could interview all those great people who were very generous with their time and their um, their specialty. And they introduced me to parents of, you know, that they work with. And many of them were special needs parents themselves. And so all that, plus a lot of more information that was available on the internet in 2019 than there was in 2000, (laughs) plus, you know, a lovely little pandemic that kept me stuck 
in the house for two years and I got a book out. <laughs> uh, crazy how that works, right? <laughs> yeah, it was actually, I thought it would be my first book. It turned out to be my eighth. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you've been, so you've been really big in like the travel industry and writing and all that kind of stuff for, God, it seems like forever, huh? I've done a lot of travel columns. Uh, the other books were fiction. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Ironically, this is my first nonfiction book, but I all my all my writing in the past before fiction was corporate communications work and uh, writing travel columns. Oh wow! So did you ever like really work with? I, I guess like set up travel for like special needs families and all that prior to even writing the book. No. So it's been straight travel columns and like how to do certain things, this, that, and the other. Yeah. My major specialty was writing business. So I was writing about the business of travel and teaching travel agents how to do their business better. So this was just sort of telling special needs parents how to do their travel better (laughs) or how to do it at all. Because so many, I would say that uh, there was a IBCCES did a, um, a survey back a, a short time ago. And they interviewed a thousand special needs parents and found that 87% wouldn't travel. But of wow. those, of those, 93% said they would if they knew where to go and what to do, which is another great reason to write the book. 93%. That that is mind-blowing to me because yeah. growing up, I mean, like we talked about off the air, coming from the millennial age, it, I I like to call it like we came from the ADD age. And I think that was kind of the start of a lot of this. And a lot of parents back then, at least that I can remember, it, it always felt like you didn't want to at least get the help for the child if they really needed it or something along those lines. And that that kind of hit a little hard. Like it was almost very stigmatized. Very much so. Time. Very much so that there's a stigma about having special. I, I have friends who had a child that waited way too long to admit that there was a problem and it only hurt the child. Yeah. So, uh, but where I am, that, where I am. There was a lot of special needs parents, and as a realtor, which is what I was doing also at the time, I met many of them. Everybody seemed to have a kid on the spectrum, and people were learned early that if you want your kid to do well, you have to be an advocate for them. And I think that's such a big thing. Like so many parents, they want to they want to like live vicariously through their kids, and they want to give their kids what they didn't have. But then that that thing happens where it just doesn't kick in, and and they find out something happens and they're so unfamiliar and unrelenting to agree with it that they just kind of push and say, oh, you're going to be better. You're going to be better. You're going to be better. And it's kind of like living in the self-denial, it almost seems. Yeah. You have to really be there for your child and help them. I mean, I there's if you take a look on Facebook, there are tons of uh, groups with parents with special needs and oh, autistic yeah. kids and everybody's being very vocal about helping each other and how, how can we overcome this and how can we overcome that? And thank goodness for that. Cause you know, these kids need us. They uh, you know, it's not about us and it's not about what people are thinking about us. It's the kid needs us to help. Right. Them. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it's so important. Like you said in the beginning there, I had, children who had these anxious and and mood issues. And I, f- I feel like most kids do at that age, but it, it could be different for everybody, obviously, who's listening today. But you said something that it wasn't out there. I had nothing for myself to take my kids on vacation. And we're at a time right now as we're recording this in June of 2022, the book's coming out August 15th. Like now is the time where parents are wanting to go on those vacations and they want to do these things. And so just kind of take us through our mindset where your, your mindset a little bit on how you 
went about this and said, you know what? There's nothing out here like this. I need to do something like this. Yeah. So I'm very, I try to be very organized. So to me, it was really a matter of figuring out every different type of transportation and how you were going to tackle that and not just one way, but always have a backup plan. If one scheme or strategy doesn't work, make sure you have something else to fall back on. And then once you get there, where are you going to stay? How do you select that? And then once you've got a place to stay, what are you going to do? Because you're not going to just stay in your room all the time. So right. that's how I, I kind of broke down the book. But overall, I talk about how to start small, how to um, over-prepare, because you actually can't over-prepare, and uh, how to create a child-centric vacation. And something you said was very important. You said, I have these kids, and uh, they're all you know, inflexible and, and anxious at this age. Well, every child is anxious and inflexible when taking them, when they're taken out of their comfort zone and what's going to take a kid out of their comfort zone more than travel. Everything's different. Everything. Yeah. So that's why I think that this book, the special needs travel tips apply to every child. And so people shouldn't say, oh, that's not for me. It is for you because this book will help you travel. You know, even if your child is neurotypical and not neurodiverse. And that's that, that's a big thing that I wanted to ask about this book as well, too, because just the last year I took our son. He was two at the time. We took him for a weekend trip to Gettysburg. That was the first time we ever took him out of his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, that was the first time I wanted to drink an entire 12-pack in a six-minute period. <laughs> I, I remember – trying to put him in bed at 8.30 and he's screaming and he's crying and he's freaking out and he he just wants his crib and he just wants this and he wants that. It took us three and a half hours and a nervous breakdown letter to finally get him to bed. And both me and my wife, I remember we looked at each other and we said, why did we do this? Why did we want to do this? And with that, you absolutely hit it correctly. Every kid, when you change them out of their comfort zone, it's going to be anxious. It's going to be different. It's going to be frightful. It, there, there's so much that goes on that it almost seems like a lot of parents, when they do that issue, they either want to leave the kids away for a weekend and not get them started, or they just don't want to deal with it at all. And they never go on vacations. Yeah. So here's what you could have done. And here's what parents <laughs> could, you know, who haven't done this yet, but would like to do this should do, I think. And that is before you spend a lot of money on that hotel, take the child for one night to a friend's house or a relative's house and have them sleep in a a situation that's other than their bedroom, because right then you're going to have seen where the, where the triggers were. Mm. And it might be that they needed the sheets and the blankets from home that had the familiar textures they were used to. Plus the smell of home. They might've needed the toiletries that they're used to from home. They might've needed their favorite fan or their favorite toys, or, you know, that fan will also uh, block out the noise from the hallway, which they may not be, you know, in a hotel, you're going to have noise in the hallway. You don't have that Mm -hmm. necessarily at home. Some people just run the air conditioning to block out the noise. So that would have told you right away where you were going to have a problem. And then you could have prepared for it. (laughs) (laughs) And instead of just going straight wild, let's take a couple toys and let's see what happens. And that was the day special for sure. (laughs) You could have – did you order a crib? No. That that was the thing with this as well too is my wife and I were always very – just kind of go out and kind of do it. And I like to say we kind of try and figure out things on our own. And man, we really figured out things on our own that first time. Yeah. And But you know what though? That taught us so much. In parenting and especially with travel because my wife and I, we love to travel. We love to go do different things. 
And if that we took that one experience and we said, you know what, never again, who knows what we would have been the second time we took our kid out to Ocean City, Maryland for a weekend for Fourth of July weekend. He did so much better. We Uh learned so much out of that. But if we had those tips, if we had those little tricks to say, hey, listen, take the sheets. We brought his favorite toys. That didn't help. If we brought a fan, that probably would have helped even a lot more. Yeah. But there's so much, especially for families who love to travel or who maybe are afraid to travel, having something like that in their back pocket to say, okay, we could start small. We could send them a night away. We could bring the fan. We could bring an extra crib with the sheets. It's it's little stuff like that that we tend to forget about. I definitely yeah. did. You can you can absolutely order a crib at most places if you don't mm-hmm. want to have a pack and play, or you could have one of those those portable cribs and have them sleep at home in it before and travel with it. That's another idea. But um, if it had been successful, and I'm hoping that the second trip you said was more successful, then oh, you've yes. created um, a frame of reference so that the next time you travel, you'll say, oh, remember when we stayed in Ocean City and how great that was. This is going to be like that. Because then you're creating some predictability and kids crave predictability and routine, which is doesn't exist when you're traveling, but you have to create them through many experiences in advance. So there are ways to do that with with airplanes and, and air. You know, you go to the airport. There are programs like Wings for Autism, where you can experience what it's like through the whole process from arrival at the airport all the way up to boarding as a trial run. So you'll know what to expect when that happens. There are people in an organization called TSA Cares. It's not at every airport, but where it's available, you'll have somebody shadowing you that can take care of any triggers that come up and and sort of make the process uh, smoother. Um, There are certain airports with sensory rooms where you can have less crowding and dimmer lights because autism is a sensory disorder and you want to, you know, have things be quiet and low lighting and and get rid of bad smells. Um, So, yeah, there's lots of different ways we talked about if you wanted to go on a camping trip, you could set out a tent in the backyard first and tent, you know, camp for one night there. Lots of ways to try different things before you spend all this money on your vacation. And I, I think that's really massive because like me being the young, naive father, being like, oh, we're going to go on a vacation. We're going to we're going to tell him, hey, we're going to be doing this. And he's just like, yeah, OK, I'm, that's not going to happen. And then it happens. You kind of proverbially shoot yourself in the foot on that one. And I learned that yeah. really quickly. But take us through, you brought up something very interesting like that, like with air travel and the neurodivergent and the autistic and anxious. What are some like tips that you have in the book that go over things like that? Oh, wow. There's a lot of different controversy about whether you sit in the front of the plane or the back of the plane. And it's going to depend on your child, because if the child's going to be anxious with a lot of kid people in front of them, you're going to want to sit as far forward as you can. Um, one of my favorite tips is to bring along something, um, a toy with buttons to press so they don't press the flight attendant button all the time. Be sure to have your noise canceling headphones so that the child can have quiet, but you also want to you know, bring a lot of electronics, bring your right. iPad or whatever and have their favorite television shows and movies loaded on there. So that they have something to do, keep them busy with different activities. In every chapter, I list a go-to bag, which lists all the things that you should carry with you at all times. And again, that's going to be dependent on your child as well. You're going to have add or take away some things depending on your child. What are some like uh, just we'll say staples? I know you said they could add or change, but what are some staples that you would recommend for things like that? Uh, Well, one of them is, um, as I said, the noise-canceling headphones. You want to bring along their favorite 
small toys. Some people bring along um, little gifts to introduce. So there's something special that they're um, they're being introduced to. They're getting, I believe, in bribery. Luckily, oh, yeah. some of, luckily, some of the other people I interviewed believe in bribery as well. So um, it, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I'm actually I'm I'm skimming through the book right here so that I can read you. Here we go. Uh, Dr. Ellen Littman listed a long. Everybody includes or takes away some aspects, but here's hers: noise canceling headphones to reduce stimulation and sensory overload, snack size Ziploc bags with low or low sugar foods and discrete units, and disposable packaging that are not messy, don't need refrigeration or utensils like popcorn or cereal or cut up carrots or animal crackers and juice boxes. Surprises, like I just mentioned, costing less than $10 in gift bags. Think silly putty, four-color pens, that sort of thing. Nothing that makes noise or moves and might annoy others. A change of clothes so you can be prepared rather than frantic when things get wet or dirty. Art supplies or an Etch-a-Sketch. I know I'm dating myself here. (laughs) Etch-a-Sketch, you know, it's so so old-fashioned that the kids might love it. Oh, my kid loves his. Loves his. See? And then lots of Band-Aids, Neosporin or whatever drugs your your pediatrician approves, Benadryl, anti-nausea medication. I have a whole section about different natural things to use uh, for motion sickness because kids on the spectrum might be on a cocktail of of uh, medications and you don't want something that's going to interfere with that. So there are lots of other, other chapters have other tips, fidget toys, you know, again, it's going to be what your kid needs. And I think that's really big. And you brought up like this, like in the airports, the sensory, uh, the sensory rooms in airports. And that's something that we've seen a lot of over the past, probably about five or 10 years, things like that are starting to become more commonplace. Now, like we talked about, it was highly stigmatized. 20, yeah. 25 years ago. And now we're seeing a lot of more of this where it's more accommodating for a lot of these families who maybe love to travel, but were afraid to travel. Like it's making it more, more available, I guess I want to say. Yeah. And there are some that you can, if you have a, a, a flight that's going to stop in between and you've got a layover, you may want to research what's going to happen in that intermediary stop because some airports also have like mini playgrounds type things. And if you have an ADHD kid, they're going to want to get some energy out. They're going to want to develop some high stim. So they're going to want to play. And I think that's a big thing too. And I know in your book somewhere you talk about like the pre-trip preparations. Yeah. And I know we all kind of go through that when we're planning a trip. We get an itinerary. We're trying to figure out what we do, hotels, things like that. When we're talking about like children who are on the spectrum or neurodivergent or anxious, what are some of the pre-trip uh, strategy preparations that you that you provide in that book? Yeah, I'm going to list a bunch of them for you. But again, neurotypical families mm-hmm. should also take note. You can read books that have like board books that have the uh, their favorite characters traveling so they can encounter different travel situations and see the way their favorite character did it. Now in the age of electronics and, and technology, there's a video for everything. So before you go to that amusement park, you can show videos of each ride and, and sort of rule out which ones the child doesn't want to get involved in. But you can also see the room at the hotel. YouTube or the supplier can get, you know, you can get those videos so you can see what check-in's going to be like. You can preview every aspect of this trip in advance. Even the restaurants, you may be able to look at the menus to make sure that the food you're going to eat you know, is something that your child is going to want. So really thinking through every aspect of that trip from leaving the house to coming back, 
breaking it down, seeing as much as you can, role-playing different situations. You might role-play what it's going to be like to be on the airplane and what are you going to do when the, the, the flight attendant comes by and how, you know, are you going to kick the front of the seat in front of you? The answer is no, you're not. <laughs> I mean, I might, but that's just me. <laughs> So there's so much, there's things called social stories, which anyone with a child who's on the spectrum knows about. Um, Carol Gray wrote books about social stories. It might not be a bad idea to pick up that book and you're creating a story from the child's point of view that deals with how they're going to encounter different situations that might be troubling or, you know, uh, anxiety provoking to them. Uh, So these are all suggestions of things you can do in advance. And I think those are some amazing, amazing tips. We don't tend to think about how it's going to be from beginning to end. We think about, okay, I want to go on a trip. I, I just want to get my kids out for a week and get away. And then I just kind of want to get home and we're going to kind of figure it out or piece things together as we go. And I, I mean, I'm guilty. I tend to do that a lot, like I yeah. said, with our Gettysburg trip. But one thing you brought up and I think is super, super important. I'm a big proponent of when we're teaching our kid to go on a trip or we're going to go do something that's different. I like to make games out of things. I love making games. I love the interaction and just being able to kind of teach through fun, entertaining, engaging, comedic type of stuff. And you talked about the role-playing aspect of, hey, we're going to go on a plane. Let's pretend we're playing plane and you get all seats set up and you, you know, dad's going to play the flight stewardess and mom's going to bring you on and you're going to do all this. And I think something like that, we tend to forget about it so much that in my opinion, has so much impact to getting a child to say, okay, this is something that's going to be scary. I don't know what it is, but man, when they actually get on that plane or they get on that train or that bus, they realize that game that went on their head like, oh, this is what I need to do. Yeah, absolutely. There is a um, an ABA teacher named Jody Calciati um, who in the book describes how she does exactly that, how she might role play um, a an airline stay or restaurant visit. Again, all different aspects that you can role play. I think it's a great idea to turn it into a game. So what is, uh, just just for those that don't know or might be in there, what is like ABAT? Uh, ABA is Applied Behavioral Analysis, and it is um, something that children with autism have in schools. And it's um, it's really too hard to describe here, but it's sort of a teaching a repetitive way. Gotcha. So children understand it, and then they get graded or rated. Again, people should read about it because it's, it's great, um, and children definitely benefit from it. But, you know, I'm not an ABA teacher, so I don't want to screw sure. it up with the wrong sure. explanation. <laughs> No, absolutely. I've seen it in action. Let me just put it that way. It is very effective. (laughs) That that was more for me because this is a a topic that I obviously don't know a lot about. So Mm -hmm. having somebody like this on the show who could talk about these things, share these kind of things. And like you said, like the book is made for the neurodivergent, for those on the spectrum and anxious. But realistically, in this book, just from what I've read or what I've seen already about when this is going to come out, this is a book that you could apply to any child. First time, first time vacations, sixth time, whatever the case is, I, I think, and we've said this off the air, I think this is probably one of the most important books that any parent could have today, especially with young children. Could I hire you? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) That's really why I I need that publicity. No, (laughs) I I, I agree. I'm very pleased with this book and the way it turned out, because I, I really feel that the people that I interviewed were very knowledgeable these certified autism travel professionals. If you want somebody to plan your trip, 
they're the people to go to. I have a list of everybody that I interviewed with their bios at the end and how to find them. And the rest of the people, if, if you want to work with somebody else, is how to find them. Um, but they know what they're doing. And now that there are so many different locations that are either labeled as autism friendly or certified autism centers, um, there's a lot of different places that are catering to this population. So you brought up the, uh, like we talked about the autism centers and the sensory rooms and all that. Let's, let's just put in an example there. If there's a family who may be doing this for the first time, they just found out their kids on spectrum and they don't know that these places exist and they decide to go on a vacation that may not be like autism child friendly or have the sensory rooms, things like that. Are there any tips or tricks that they could in, include in the types of vacation that they're planning where that may not be accessible to them? Well, what I would say is my book is about 85% of those tips and those okay. strategies and maybe 15% of the places you can go because those places keep changing. Uh, and I update them in my blog, Traveling Different. And I also update whenever I see a story on Twitter or Facebook, I repeat it on Traveling Different because that way we can keep up to date. But it's really a matter of figuring out the strategies in advance so you don't have the meltdowns. And so you can take any trip and make it better for your child. Um, and so, so many tips. One of the things I would really strongly advocate, and I devote a, a whole chapter to it, is making the trip child-centric. And what I mean is that children have special interests, especially children on the spectrum. And whether it's insects or dinosaurs, I mean, they might spend 26 hours a week talking about their special interests. Trains is very big. Cars, mm -hmm. whatever it is, why not build a trip around those, those passions? And so in this section, I talk about all those different interests, as many as I could think of, and speaking to different parents, what they said. And then I listed by state and then by city the different wow. museums and events that cater to those interests. Because by making sure the child goes to a place that really interests them, it's going to make the more mundane parts of the trip easier to take because they have something to look forward to. And it's a bonding experience. And if your child has more of a, a sports-minded uh, passion, there are sport individual sports are really big with, um, with kids who are neurodiverse. So whether you want to do equine therapy, you want to do horseback on um, at a dude ranch, or you want to go and do adaptive skiing, scuba diving, golf, all of those offer something for the parents. If, if they're interested in that, I'm, I'm not a scuba diver or a skier <laughs> or a horseback rider, so it wouldn't work for me. But for many parents, normal people, it does. <laughs> <laughs> people are not terrified about anything like me. Um, and then uh, if you have neurotypical children as well, everybody can enjoy the vacation. And these are things that do not involve competition you know, you're just, maybe you're practicing your swing at golf again and again to get better, but you're not in a team sport that's going to involve a lot of social interaction. And when a child is on the spectrum, they might be socially awkward when you're scuba diving. First, you've got the great compression from the water and you've got your suit, which is great compression. It's very um, calming to the child, but you're also underwater with the fish and it's a very uh, therapeutic experience. And there are companies like Dive Heart that just specialize in working with people either with uh, physical disabilities or invisible disabilities and helping them to do things like scuba. So, so cool that there are all these types of uh, 
vacations out there that are not what you'd uh, normally think of as uh, for an autistic child. And especially as like a traditional vacation too, like you think of vacation as going to the beach or going to Disney World or something along those lines. And and like like we've been talking about from the beginning, like 20 years ago, this wasn't the case. It was, oh, my child's fine. Everything's okay. It's so stigmatized. But now we're getting into that into that flow and the and traveling different in the book and all of this, all this information. It it almost becomes so overwhelming. And I have some friends who have children on the spectrum or are neurodivergent, and it, it's just so overwhelming for them. And they they're afraid to take their kids on vacation and. Like you said in the book, I think one of the first chapters is starting small, starting small. Those little pieces are what's going to make the whole experience that much better for everybody, everybody involved, children, family, parents, pets, whatever the case is. And if I had to take anything out of this, I think that's the main bulk of this interview is when you start small with something like this, because for a lot of them. It's uncharted territory, or if you've done it a while, you may have some tips. But there, I think there's a lot of amazing tips in here, even if you've had children on the spectrum for years, that you could just add to your tool belt and just make it even more of an enjoyable experience for them. Yeah. I mean, when you go to a zoo or an aquarium, or even to a garage sale, you can call it a scavenger hunt, you can call it a tour. And then when that goes well, again, you've created a frame of reference for the tour that you might do when you're actually traveling. And you can learn about different cultures by going to restaurants with different types of cuisine, you know, check the menu ahead of time just to make sure that there's something your child will eat if they don't want to explore. But a lot of times when a child knows that they have something there that they can eat, they might take a bite of something they're not familiar with. You know, they just have to understand that it's a big world out there and there are a lot of different types of people and a lot of different types of experiences. And you can do that locally as well. Absolutely. Absolutely, Don. I mean, we've been going here. You've been dropping so much information. I've learned so much out of this over the last half hour. And I know the listeners today have definitely learned a lot out of this. What are some, as we're closing this up today, what are some other tips, tricks, um, thoughts, wisdom nuggets, if you want to call them, that you want to give to our fathers? And where is it that anybody could go out there and pre-order the book? Okay. So first, my main tip would be to not have huge expectations, like just to call a place the happiest place on earth sets up an expectation that you're just not going to fill. I think you have to understand that this is trial and error. Your first trip might not go well, but like you, you will learn how to make the next trip better. And I, that's why I list more than one strategy for each type of um, process in the book. Uh, And also when you see a place that's listed as autism friendly, be sure to find out, do your due diligence, call them, find out what it is they offer, how they got their certification, because there are a lot of different certification companies out there. And there's a lot of, it's a spectrum for children. So just make sure that what they offer is right for your child. And these, um, these certifications change year by year. So just make sure that they're still offering what they said they were offering, because just because I list it doesn't mean that next year it's still going to be offered. So do your due diligence. The last tip I would say is just pay attention to pacing because, uh, you know, you can't cram five or six different events into a day like you did before you had kids. So maybe one thing a day, two things a day tops, and then go to the pool or do what the child wants to do. Uh, because then everybody's going to be happier. What you think is going to make them happy is not necessarily what's going to make them happy. 
Um, as for my book, I will tell you the name is uh, Traveling Different Vacation Strategies for Parents. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, of the anxious. On yeah, no, I, I no, but to be fair, when I wrote to you, I put fathers in the title to get, to get your attention. So and that you got caught me. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the marketing. Uh, it's Traveling Different Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse by Dawn M. Barkley. The website is Traveling Different. And if you go to Traveling Different with one L dot com, you'll find out where to order. But I will tell you, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the major places online that you usually buy, there is audio, there is hardcover, and there is an ebook. You can pre-order any of them and they will show up on your doorstep or on your computer on August 15th. That's wonderful. And all the links for that too is going to be in the description of this episode. So you don't remember them. You can go in and click that. We're going to have a link directly to the website, Traveling Different. Click on that. You can pre-order the book. It comes out August 15th. You're not going to want to miss this book. Like I said, all the nuggets that Don has shared today, all the stuff that we've shared, go out and do yourself a favor and get this book because I know I'm already pre-ordering it myself too because it's just going to make it that much easier, that much better. So yeah. Don, I want to thank you for being on the show today. It was absolutely amazing and absolutely a pleasure to have you today. Thank Thanks you. so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure you give us a like, rate, and review on anywhere that you're listening to the podcast. Share this with other dads who need this. Take those tips that you learned today. Whatever is going to make you travel better, travel differently with your children. Use that in your toolbox. Make it better. Make it just slightly better so you don't have a four-hour freakout in a hotel room. <laughs> Trust me, you're going to want that. Continue to go out there. And until next time, guys, let's rethink fatherhood. <laughs>